Um, it is amazing to to be here this morning, and I just um, I just felt like God was just doing so much, even on my my drive up here. And um, I think uh, at the end, I'm going to share just what I felt like he was what, what he was saying and doing. But um, I just guess I'll introduce myself in case you guys have never met me before. Um, Jeff and myself um, help the leadership in Holland for the Point Holland. Um, Jeff and and I are also the ones that do the ministry overseas uh, called Masters that you guys have been just have blessed us to be able to um, see these young adult orphans come out of, you know, just awful situations. And they're transforming the world. You know, they get transformed and then they just they just spread it. They spread the love. So um, we have four children. Uh, they are also young adults. So we've know what young adults life is like. Um, we're in the thick of it ourselves. Um, but, um, they have always been a part of what we do and a part of our ministry and they're plugged in at the point as well. Um, and so it's just, it's just fun to see our whole family kind of moving along together. That's always such a blessing to a mom's heart. Amen. Um, so I've had this message on my heart for a while. Um, the greatest question, or maybe the most important question that's ever been asked. And I'll leave you with that. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Um, but what I'd like to do today is really unpack John um, chapter 21 with you. So if you want to turn there with me, um, we're just going to we're gonna go through some of these verses. And I just, God has some good stuff in here. And... Um, Earlier in the year, Jeff and I were in the UK, and um, the Lord uh, brought this passage to mind, and it's just been kind of, um, I've just been meditating on it for, for months now, and um, had the opportunity to to share it uh, at, the, at our Caledonia campus, and um, and I just I just feel like God is just breathing on this, and so I wanted to share it with you today as well. Because really, it is the most important question that's ever been asked. And you're all like, what is that question? We'll get to it. Okay. John chapter 21. And I am reading from um, the Amplified Version. So it might look a little bit different than yours, but same word. Okay. After this, Jesus let himself be seen. He let himself be seen. He lets himself be seen. His desire is for you to see him. And revealed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And he did it in this way. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas, called the twin, and Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, also the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Woohoo! Anybody out there like to go fishing? I have never been fishing, ever. I think I'm missing something. From Yeah. Uh, you can all talk to Jeff about that. Tell him to take me fishing sometime. But they said to him, and we are coming with you. So they went out and got into the boat, and throughout that night they caught nothing. Morning was already breaking when Jesus came to the beach and stood there. However, the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Boys or children, you do not have any meat, do you? 
Have you caught anything to eat along with your bread? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast the net, and now they were not able to haul it in, for such a big catch of fish was in it. Then the disciples whom Jesus the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And Simon Peter, hearing him say that, it was the Lord, put on his upper garment and sprang into the sea. And the other disciples came in the small boat, for they were not far away from shore, only some hundred yards, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish lying on it, cooking and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net to land full of large fish, 153 of them. And there was so many of them, even though there was so many of them, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew that it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and also the fish. And I'm just going to end there a moment. We've all heard this story about this multiplication of fish, this miracle. And it was the second time that Jesus did this for the disciples, wasn't it? And It was at the very beginning of their ministry and at the very end that Jesus just reminded them that he's a miracle-working God. And, you know, a lot of times we get so focused on this great miracle that Jesus did that we forget these other verses that come right after it. Jesus makes a meal for them. And I don't know if you've read this like me, but in the past I've read it and I've kind of pictured Jesus as doing like, voila, and there's the fire and it's burning and the fish is cooked and everything's ready to eat. You know, like, no, that didn't happen. Jesus, he had to find the firewood. He had to start the fire. He had to catch the fish, clean the fish, cook the fish and get it all ready for them. And then he served them. And I guess... From this part of this passage, I want to just point out to you that both of these things represent Jesus. The miracle-working Jesus and the Jesus of compassion and hospitality and family and fellowship, both of them make up who Jesus was. And he's setting a, a, a role model for us to have a balance that both represent his kingdom, both represent a supernatural God. Both of them are important. 1 Peter 4.9 says, Practice hospitality to one another. Be hospitable. Be a lover of strangers with brotherly affection for the unknown guests, the foreigners, the poor, and all those who come your way of Christ's body. And in each instance, do it ungrudgingly but is representing him. Romans 12, 13 says, contribute to the needs of God's people, sharing in the necessity of the saints, pursue the practice of hospitality. A supernatural lifestyle includes both miracles and service. Um, talking to you this morning and her sharing just this divine, divine um, uh, relationship that's just developing. That's as much a miracle as the, you know, this huge miracle of catching more fish during a time of day when there should have not been any fish 
and they catch more than, than ever before. You know, Jesus was demonstrating something to Peter. And we see in Peter's life later him walking out this same principle. He made it a foundation of the church. In Acts, we read about the tremendous miracles that Peter did, healing the sick, you know, raising the dead. But as he establishes the church, we read about how those first believers functioned. Acts 2.46, it says, Day after day, they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose, and in their homes they broke bread. They partook of their food with gladness and simplicity and generous hearts. Are we so passionately aware of his presence and recognizing his moving in our lives that we not only recognize the great, big, amazing miracles, but we recognize the small things that he does? When um, Jeff and I first began ministry, oh boy, almost 17 years ago now, when when um, he left his job with, with the hospital and um, I left what I was doing and we decided to go into full-time missions. This, I mean, um, the church is always on a mission. We've learned that. We are missionaries, all of us. Um, but at this point in time, um, we just uh, committed full, full time to this and went overseas and all that. But when we, when we made the switch, um, we weren't doing so good at the beginning (laughs) and Jeff had left. He'd gone over to Sierra Leone and I was home alone with four little kids and we literally had bare cupboards. And I remember getting the kids ready for school one day and just being like, Lord, we need, we need some food in here, <laughs> you know, and just being like, Lord, whatever, you know. So packed the kids in the car, drove them to school, came back, and someone had put bags of groceries on our back porch. They were practicing the gift of hospitality. They were feeding us. They were serving us. They were being generous. That was a miracle for us. But that... Alongside of, um, I think I was about 30, 35 years of age, and I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And if anybody, if you guys know what that is, basically it cripples you. And I I just remember the doctor saying, um, because we went, and I I was desperate. I was literally walking around like this, curled up in my bed most of the day. I had four young kids. And um, I remember Jeff and me going to the doctor and just being like, you know, is there anything else we can do? You know, this, we can't live this way. And the doctor basically saying, no, you're on the only medication um, that, and you'll probably just get worse. Oh, what a diagnosis. But we determined in our hearts that it wasn't going to be so. And... um, I changed just for about three months. I changed my diet. Um, obviously, we prayed. We said, God, just, you know what? Heal. We need healing. And the Lord answered. And really, within that three months, I was totally healed of fibromyalgia. Praise the Lord. Sometimes it's a healing that's progressive. Sometimes it's a miracle healing. But it says in his word that I am the Lord who heals you. So there... He, he must know that sickness will come. 
we're in a fallen world. But he does promise that I am the Lord that heals you. I don't know if there's anyone here today who's, who's maybe in that position. I, I just, um, I, if you want to come up for prayer later, I want to pray for you. I just felt that really, really. So, yeah, if anybody's here with that, let me pray for you. Um, so really what I want to take from this first part of this scripture is just to point out to us that God is in the big things and he's in the little things and both of them represent him and both of them need to receive his glory and his honor. So if you guys are even just, you know what, bringing a loaf of bread to someone, you are representing Christ. Maybe you haven't seen a miracle healing, but you are representing Christ to someone just by bringing a loaf of bread or just stopping on the street to pray for someone. You are doing something that represents Christ. Let's go back to John 21. This is where we get into the question. Okay. Verse 14. This was now the third time that Jesus revealed himself to the disciples after he had risen from the dead. When they had eaten, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said to him the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep or tend my sheep. And then Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. He was saddened and hurt that Jesus should ask him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The greatest question that could ever be asked is Jesus standing in front of us and he's asking, do you love me? He said to Peter, do you love me? Because you see, it's, it's, it wasn't a question of whether Jesus loved Peter. That had already been proven. That had already been shown. You know, Jesus walked with him. He did miracles with him and, for, and beside him and for him. He loved on Peter. He died. You know, he was beaten and went to the cross for Peter. He rose again and returned and re- showed himself to Peter. Jesus already showed. He'd already shown P- Peter that he that that he he loved him. Peter witnessed the greatness of the Lord towards him. And now the Lord's calling it calling him out and he's asking, "Do you love me?" And then Jesus asks not one time, not two times, but three times. Now, some people say, well, some people say that Jesus asked Peter this to remind Peter of when Peter had denied him three times. I don't know if you guys remember that story, but when back in um, John 18, verse 16, if you want to go back and look at it, basically when Jesus is before um, the Sanhedrin, they're, you know, they've been whipping him, they've been, you know, um, uh, you know, saying to him, you know, are you the Christ? And all this is going on. And some people ask Peter, oh, you were with him, weren't you? And and Peter says, no, no, I wasn't with him. And Peter denies him three times. But I don't think God, I don't think Jesus works that way. 
I don't think he reminds us of our past fails. I don't think he reminds us that we, you know what? You messed up three times, Peter. No, because three is the number of restoration. It represents a fullness in God. It represents God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And he is saying to Peter, do you love me? Because what he wants to do is draw Peter's attention to himself, and he wants to call out all the fullness that's within Peter. And he's saying, Peter, focus on me. Focus on me. Your past is done. Your past is forgiven. It's time to move on because I've called greatness out of you. You need to focus on me. Peter, do you love me? Now, I don't know about you. If somebody came to me and said, Danette, do you love me? I mean, okay, let's picture Jeff coming to me saying, Danette, do you love me? What I'm, I'm going to say, of course I love you. I'm your wife. I love you, you know? And that, but then if he says, no, Danette, do you love me? I'd probably stop, you know, and be like, yes, dear, I, I do love you. You know, you're an amazing husband. You're an amazing man of God. You know, you're the one for me. But now if he asked me a third time, it would do something in my heart. I mean, really pull on your heart. No, Danette, do you really love me? Jesus was going to the depths of Peter. He wanted more than just a surface, I love you. He wanted to pull out a deep commitment. Because you know what? He knew what Peter was called to. And he knew that if Peter didn't keep his eye on the Lord, if he didn't focus on Jesus, if he didn't really love Jesus with a passion, it would be tough going. And he may have given up. Um, You know, in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, you know, Paul wrote that. Paul was a a, um, disciple uh, along with Peter, he became an apostle. We know his story. I want you to hear what Dr. Brian Simmons says in his commentary about this chapter. He says, the Aramaic word for love is huba. Now, I don't know if I pronounced that right or not, but it's H-O-O-B-A. You give it a shot. Sounds like huba to me, okay? I don't know. This word also means to set on fire. The Aramaic word being used in this scripture, do you love me, is, are you set on fire for me? It's, it's um, Dr. Brian Simmons goes on to say it's really difficult to um, translate it to English, but he says basically means a burning love or fiery love coming from the inner depths of the heart. It's an eternal energy, an active power of bonding hearts and lives in a secure relationship. This is not a superficial love. This is a burning passion. Um, And so like I was saying, Jesus knew that, that Peter would need a burning love, a burning passion for Jesus Christ to be able to establish the church and undergo the persecution that he did. He would have to be fully focused, fully in. And... You know, if if Jesus was standing here and he asked me three times like that, I think I would just be on my knees in awe. I would just be laid out before him. 
How else do you convince this God that, yes, I really, really love you? I'm impassioned. I'm enraptured in you. It's part of our authentic walk. It's the reason why we turn away from sin. We turn away from things of the world and we we go after him because we just love him so much. He wants us to be so impassioned and so enraptured in him. And, you know, in Joshua 24, 14, it says, choose you this day who you will serve. In other words, choose you this day who you're going to focus on, who you're full of love for, who you're going to follow this day. It's not just a one-time answering this question. It's every day. Because Jesus says, do you love me? Are you ready for today? I have an adventure for you today. But you're going to need to keep your focus on me. Um, there, w- there was a time... Um, that I was really pursuing God um, and his love. And I was just like, um, my, I had been leading children's worship, all right? And, you know, I'm telling the kids, come on, guys. Jesus loves you so much. Let's sing for Jesus, you know? And then I, I would go back home and I'd be like, you know what? I don't know if, I don't know if he loves me. And it started me really pursuing more of him. Okay, I've been saved. I'd been baptized in water, but I wasn't feeling the love. <laughs> so I was like, I really want to know if he loves me or not. Um, and I ended up just um, connecting with some really godly women, um, got together uh, one night, and they were praying with me, and they were like, baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And for the first time, man, I God just came in and he said, yes, I love you. And I knew it for the first time. Like I felt it. I was laughing, crying. I had the chills. Um, I, you know, I started speaking in tongues. I started prophesying. I mean, wham, he just like, Danette, I love you, you know? But you know what? I was asking the wrong question. It was, I mean, it really, he, it was kind of like, Danette, come on. Look what I did for you. It's not a question of whether I love you or not. Do you love me? Right after this question, do you love me, Peter? Each time he said, feed my sheep. He was laying a foundation of what church is. We have got to be, we got to love him so much that no matter what happens in here, we're able to love each other, we're able to forgive each other, we're able to encourage each other, we're able to move on, we're able to grow, we're able to um, just become family. Um, but it really, it starts with knowing what it is to love Jesus. And then, and then that just f- flows over to loving each other. Um, but, you know, again, Jesus is setting a foundation for the church. He's setting Peter as an apostolic leader with authority, as a father for the work of the church. He's setting something into place that church should be, should look like. Um, If you want, you can turn with me to Ephesians 4. Um, Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. Uh, No. Let's see here. Oh, it's five. That's why. 
って、あー。And his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us, some as apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. His intention was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints, us, to do the work of ministering to Christ's body, the church. So he was setting something in place for the church. I don't know about you. Okay, I'm 54. For probably 44 years of my life, I went to church just because that was what we did. <laughs> and, I, and I went to church、um, because I thought that, well, it would make me a better person. I had no thought about the fact that I was meant to go to church to be trained and equipped to do work of ministry, to be able to minister to other people, to be able to. Um, grow the church, build the church, build into people. I mean, I came to church for me. But we're, we're here, you know, we're here for the presence. We're here for community. We're here to love on God. But there's something more that's, that's meant to happen. Because this, this goes on to say with all the full dimensions of spiritual maturity. And fully developed in the abundance of Christ. That's why we meet together, to become so full of Him, so fully equipped that we're able to do works of ministry, we're able to build our family, we're able to build the church. So the first question is Do you love me? The second, que- the second thing then is a command Tend to my people. He said, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Love me so much that increase is the only option. Let it spill over to the feeding of others so that my church grows and grows with people who are mature, equipped, ministering, and building my body. This is why we do church. Like we do, with grace gifts within our leaders who have looked at Jesus and said, Yes, I love you, and I will feed and tend your people. Not manipulate, not control, but raise them up to maturity to where they are overflowing in the gifts, building the church, and bringing the kingdom. There is more that goes on here than just this wonderful presence, which was amazing this morning. There is a, there is a, Spiritual maturity that is being developed in you guys, in myself, so that we, we can build the church and bring the kingdom. And you know what? It all went back to that scene on the beach where Jesus modeled miracles, hospitality, serving one another, and then saying, Love me first, focus on me, and tend my people. It all went back to a simple day on the beach. <laughs> A lot can happen on the beach. So, there's just these are the things that I just wanted to, you guys to take away today. Okay, number one, Jesus wants us to be supernaturally balanced. Big and small acts are all miracles. It's all important, it's all a part of who we are in the fullness of Christ. Two, Jesus asks, Do you love me? 
It's the most important question that will ever be asked in your lifetime. Three, feed and tend my sheep. That's what your leaders are doing for you, Matt and Sarah. They are leaders who have said, yes, Lord, I love you. I'm going to tend your sheep. I'm going to build your church. Four, just be confident in this love relationship with the Lord. Be confident in it. 